Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. I hope everybody had a great week. And uh, yeah, it's, it's my privilege today again to share the Word of God with you. I want to continue my study on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are taking um, a walk through the gospels, looking at the life, the ministry, and the teachings of Jesus Christ. My desire is that every one of us will have a, a deeper conviction as to who he is, why he came, and that our faith would become deeper and real, and that we would grow more um, in our knowledge uh, and enjoying the salvation of the Lord Jesus. So today I'm going to speak to you about the baptism of Jesus Christ. And you know, in the day when Jesus was, was brought forth to be announced in his public ministry, there was a lot of confusion, and there was a lot of questions as to who he is. Is it any different today? It's really not. 2,000 years have passed, and there's so many people that really are indifferent, confused, and maybe have a wrong understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Um, Warren and I were on the street on Friday night. We were giving out this little track that says, Do You Know Him? And I was kind of struck by this young man that took the track and began to read it, and he said, Oh, is this about Jesus? Yeah, this is about Jesus. Oh, I want nothing to do with that. I'm a Jew. I said, you know, Jesus came to the Jews first. The gospel came to the Jews. You are a privileged person. And this, this guy was so angry, he just took the track and he ripped it up and he threw it in the garbage. And I thought, how sad is that? And then this past week as I was preparing for this message, I... Um, I looked at a documentary on YouTube. Uh, there was this reporter that was going through the streets of Tel Aviv in Israel, and he was asking Jews, what do you think of Jesus? Do you really think that uh, he is nothing, or do you think he's the Messiah, or what do Jews actually think of Jesus? And there was this girl who I think was at the university, and her response to that reporter uh, really grabbed my attention. She just said with such disdain, she said, Jesus? And she said it in English. Are you kidding me? He's nothing to me. I'm a Jew. And so when I thought about that, I thought how sad is it that so many people in our world have never really come to know Jesus Christ. Folks, this is the best message that you could ever hear. The gospel of Jesus Christ who he is, why he came, and what he can do for you, for your soul, and for your eternal destiny. So let's take a look at that. Uh, next slide. So I've got this slide up here. Jesus Christ, who is he? As Jesus was presented uh, in his public ministry, there was a lot of confusion, like I said, as to who Jesus Christ was. Well, what have we already learned? In our study that, that we've had as we've started to go through the Gospels, we have learned that Jesus Christ is God. He is God. That is critical, it is fundamental. And that's a pretty strong claim to make. So how do we know that Jesus Christ is God? 
Well, in John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says very clearly that in the beginning, he was with God and he was God. Jesus Christ is God. You remember that when the angel came to Joseph and, and Mary before Jesus was even born, and, and the angel said to Joseph, you'll call his name Emmanuel, which is a characterization of who Jesus is. And Emmanuel is God with us. And the Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. So Jesus Christ, who is God, became a man. So the first thing we learned about him is he's God. Next thing we learned about Jesus is he is eternal. He is forever. He never had a beginning. He was never created. He is the eternal, infinite God, the eternal Son, and he will never have an end. And we learned from Luke chapter 1 and verse 33 that his kingdom is forever and ever. It will never end. So Jesus Christ is God. He is eternal. He's the creator. Now, a lot of people have a, a big struggle with this. I thought it was God who created all things. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in John chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, all things were made by him, that is Jesus. And without him is not anything made that was made. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, it says that all things were made by him and for him. And he holds it all together. So this person who is Jesus of Nazareth, who became a man, is literally God in the flesh. He's eternal, he is God, and he is a creator. At his baptism, he is announced as the well-beloved son of God the Father. And that must have been a, that must have been a real striking moment for the people that were there when the, the heavens were opened and a voice was heard to the entire earth, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I want to submit to you today that Jesus Christ is the perfect man. He is the only one who ever walked this planet that never sinned. He's the only one who never made a mistake. He never had a lustful thought. He never did anything wrong. There are three places in the Bible that say he knew no sin, in him there is no sin, and Peter says he did no sin. So when you think about Jesus Christ, he is the absolute perfect man. I want to submit to you today that he is the Messiah. He is the sent one from God. He is the deliverer that came to rescue us from our sins. And one day Jesus was in Samaria. And in John chapter 4 and verse 26, they said about Jesus, well, the woman said, when, when Messiah is come, he will tell us all things that ever we did. And Jesus said, I that speak unto you am he. So Jesus claimed that he was the Messiah. John chapter 4 and verse 26, you could look at that. If you get a second. Three things I want to mention to you today that are so evident in the baptism of Jesus Christ. 
Number one, he is preeminent. He is the first and foremost above everyone else. He is preeminent. Number two, he is the provision for the sin of the world. God's one provision for the sin of the world. And number three, he is presented to every person. You know, folks, you're not going to get through this life and never deal with Jesus Christ. You're not going to be able to live your whole life and, and, and die and, and face God and never be able to say, I didn't know anything about Jesus. We, we spoke to a guy outside of Neptune Theater on Friday night, Warren and I, and this is just the thinking of so many people. He said, well, you know, there's so many different religions in the world. Um, there's Islam, there's Christianity, uh, and he named all these other religions, and he said, there's all these holy books, and everything says different. H- how would you ever know? So I'm just going to uh, forget about all religions, forget about all faiths, because you can't really know anything, and I'll just live my life and hope for the best. You know what? That is just a sad example of so many people that are trying to walk through this world ignorant of who Jesus Christ is. I'm so glad today that I have the privilege of being able to stand up here from the word of God and tell you who Jesus Christ is. Folks, he is the eternal son of the living God. He is the savior of the world. He is the one and only hope for all humanity, of all nationalities, all races, all tribes, all tongues. He is God's one and only son, and he is presented to us today at his baptism as the well-beloved son of God, who pleased God in everything that he did. Let's take a look at some scripture. Can you go to the next slide? I put it up here just in case you didn't have a Bible with you, but in Matthew chapter three, I wanna read you a couple of verses. Uh, This is about verse 13, but I'm gonna start reading at verse one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Permit or suffer it to be so, for thus it becometh us. Now catch this phrase. To fulfill all righteousness to fulfill all righteousness i was struck by this little phrase we're going to talk about that jesus came to fulfill all righteousness do you know that no one else could ever do that no other person could fulfill all righteousness we're going to look at that statement And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This 
is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. John chapter 1. We're going to read John the Baptist's testimony of the Lord Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 26. And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you know not. Lots of people don't know him today. Lots of people didn't know who he was in that day. He it is who is coming after me. He is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Just go to the next slide. So this is what the River Jordan looks like today. You can go to the land of Israel and you can see a, a, a dirty, windy, muddy river that maybe to most people that visit it today, it's of no significance. It runs from uh, the northern part of Israel, right from the, the tip there of Lebanon all the way down to the Dead Sea. It will run about 200-some kilometers, and it's a windy river. But this river had amazing significance in the time of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you why. If you go to the next slide, here's the historical setting and background uh, of the baptism of Jesus Christ and John's ministry. Before John the Baptist, the nation of Israel had really never heard the voice of a prophet for 400 years. Folks, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years passed and there was no voice of a prophet. The people were asleep in religious ritual. They needed a spiritual revival. And God was about to visit this planet. And John the Baptist was preparing the way. John was sent from God. How do we know that? Well, John 1 and verse 6, it says that this man, John, was sent from God. He was to be a witness, a witness to the person of Jesus Christ. He came in the spirit of Elijah, the prophet, and he preached a baptism of repentance. He was preparing the nation of Israel for the coming of Jesus Christ, God's Son, unto the earth. The religious Jews were opposed to John, and they were opposed to his ministry, and they couldn't figure out how this guy who, who, who you know, dressed really funny and, and ate a crazy diet, uh, grasshoppers, and he would go out into the wilderness, and, and he had this girdle, and he looked really strange and eccentric, how the people would actually flock out to hear him. Why is that? Because he had a message from God. He spoke with power and he spoke with authority. And the religious leaders, they rejected John because he wasn't one of them. God had a, a great message to tell 
that day when, uh, when John uh, was baptizing and, and Jesus comes on the scene. Now, up until this point, Jesus has lived in obscurity. He was raised in the town of Nazareth. He was thought to be an illegitimate child. He hadn't learned like the Pharisees did, and his parents were just simple peasants. He was considered the carpenter from this despised place of Nazareth. He's God's well-beloved son. And he comes on the scene to be announced in his public ministry. Go to the next slide. So a lot of people ask this question. Well, why was Jesus baptized? You ever wonder about that? John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. His message was, you sinners, repent of your sin and and demonstrate your commitment to get back to God. And Jesus comes to be baptized. Well, he certainly had nothing to repent of because we've already learned Jesus had no sin. So why was Jesus baptized by John? I'm gonna suggest that there was three reasons. Number one, to endorse John's ministry. Jesus was saying, this ministry is from God. You remember the conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees? And the Pharisees were stumped. And and Jesus said, the baptism of John, was it from God or was it of men? Ooh, we don't know how to answer that question because everybody knows that it was of God. But we didn't accept it, so how do we answer that question? Jesus Christ was baptized to endorse the ministry of John the Baptist that this was of God. Number two, he was baptized to identify with those that he came to save. Jesus identified with publicans and sinners, but ultimately, and this is the most important reason why Jesus Christ was baptized, it was to fulfill all righteousness. That's what the Bible says. He says it was to fulfill all righteousness, and it spoke. It was a picture, a foreshadow of his baptism at the cross when Jesus Christ was to be engulfed, buried in the wrath of God against sin. Do you remember that Jesus made this statement? I have a baptism to be baptized with. How am I straightened until it be accomplished? It was a foreshadow of the work of the cross where he would bear the wrath of God and a public acknowledgement to the world that this one, this unique one, is God's well-beloved son in whom God is well-pleased. Do you know that that statement could never be made of any other person that ever lived? This is the unique one and only well-beloved Son of God. There's a term in the New Testament that's very interesting, and it refers to Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. You see, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. John 1 and 12 says that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, the sons of God, even them that believe in his name. But Jesus was uniquely the Son of God. Unique in that relationship. He is the only eternal Son of the living God that came to demonstrate, to reveal, to manifest who God is. 
And as he began his public ministry, the heavens were opened that day. Imagine those people on the banks of this dirty river, Jordan, and all these people here, and all of a sudden, the heavens are opened, and a dove comes right out of the heavens and flies down and lights upon him on the, on the I'm going to assume, the shoulder of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was evident that the Spirit of God was descending upon Jesus Christ. He was anointed. He had a ministry to fulfill. And he was identified and recognized by the deity that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Let's go to the next slide. I want to tell you today that the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is preeminent. And the Father said that day to the entire world that this one is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Do you know that there are many verses in the Bible that support this teaching that shows that Jesus Christ was unique? Why, why do I say this? Well, my goal in going through this whole study is for you to have a solid fundamental faith in the person of Jesus Christ, to understand who he is, to understand his qualifications, to understand his, his power and his might and his dominion so that you and I can put our faith rested solidly on the person of Jesus Christ, knowing that our faith is certain. Jesus Christ is preeminent. In John chapter 3 and verse 31, it says this, that he which is from above, okay, Jesus Christ came from above, came from heaven, and came down into the earth. He that is from above is above all, is above all. There is nobody greater than Jesus Christ. He is above all. That's what it says in John 3 and 31. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21, it says that Christ is above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named in heaven and earth throughout the entire universe of God. Jesus Christ is above every name. He's preeminent. Colossians 1, you actually get this phrase. Colossians 1 and verse 18. It says that all things were made by him and for him. And he is before all things. He is the head of the church. He holds everything together, and then it says that in all things, that he might have the preeminence. Could I ask you a question today? I ask myself this question. Is Jesus Christ preeminent in your life? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Have you ever bowed your knee and acknowledged to God that Jesus Christ is Lord? You know, that's really an important thing to do. Because when we do that, we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And when we worship Him, God Himself communicates to us through the power of the Holy Spirit who He is, why He came. And we're able to grow in a unique relationship with him. Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you love me, 
Keep my commandments. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and we will come unto him and make our home, our abode in him. Folks, when you come to place your faith in Jesus Christ and you acknowledge that he is Lord, you are changed. You are born again. You have repented of your sin and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and he now becomes your savior, your everything. And when you live your life walking in faith before God, believing in Jesus Christ, you are renewed in your spirit. It is an essential thing to see that Jesus Christ is the one and only beloved Son of God who is preeminent. There's a uh, parable that's very interesting. I think uh, David Hansen spoke about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Mark chapter 12 and verse 6. Jesus is telling this story, <laughs> and the Pharisees are standing there listening to him, and he's talking about them. And he says, all these prophets that came down through the years, you killed them. You beat them. You wounded them. You kicked them out. And the owner of the vineyard, who is obviously God, last of all, he said, I will send my son, my one and only, my beloved son. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ is God's beloved son. And God sent him into the world. Why did he come into the world? 1 John 4. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And Jesus Christ was sent by God, the well-beloved Son of the holy, eternal God. And what happened? Mankind took him and crucified him and put him on a cross and put him to death. Why? Because the natural cry of every human heart is, I will not have this man to reign over me. That's what our, our natural bend is, our, our, our sinful nature, is we don't want Christ to be Lord and to reign over us. And especially the, the Pharisees, the religious Jews, they didn't want to lose their authority, their power. They were in control of these people. And when Jesus Christ came, they plotted how they might put him to death and destroy him. Folks, that was all planned by God. All planned by God for your salvation and for mine. Acts chapter two. By the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken with wicked hands, have crucified and slain Jesus Christ, but God raised him from the dead and given him a name that's above every name. Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess that he is Lord. Let's go to the next slide. Not only is Jesus Christ preeminent, this is probably the best thing that I can tell you. Jesus Christ is the provision for the sin of the entire world. Yes. Jesus Christ is the provision for the sin of the entire world. We had a busy week. Uh, I was in the U.S. on business. I came back on Friday. Friday afternoon, we attended a funeral. And uh, at one sense, it was very sad, very tragic, and very solemnizing. But in another sense, 
there was a great sense of joy knowing that this young man who had been cut down and was killed unexpectedly in an accident has gone to be with his Lord and Savior. I know that none of you would probably know him. His name was Terry Hunt. He was 48 years old. And uh, this past week, he decided to go on an outing with his 16-year-old son, and they were dirt biking. And another man and, and his son, and there was a tragic accident, and instantly, this 48-year-old believer in Jesus Christ was ushered out into eternity. You know, it really made me think, because I've known Terry for 30 years. I knew Terry before I was married, and... Uh, he was a good man. He was a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. But on Friday afternoon, as we stood by that open grave with about 500 people at the funeral, the casket was lowered down into the ground. And you know the way they do that? They, they put it on that little roller and it just goes down slowly. And right in front of us was five children and a, a widow in her 40s, absolutely crushed. Her husband, their father, was ushered out into eternity. He was gone. And here's what it made me think. How awful is sin? Sin is awful. You know what sin does? It brings death. And every person that's going to die, which is all of us, is evidence that we have been affected by sin. The Bible says that sin, when it is finished, brings death. And I thought, how tragic is that? That sin has, has destroyed so many people's lives. Folks, we live in a world that's broken. Broken. Walk out on your streets, go to, get on the bus, go to work, look at humanity. We are broken. Lives are broken divorces, financial issues, diseases, sickness, pain, brokenness. Here's this tragic event that I, I couldn't help but think because this man's the same age as me. And I thought, well, what if that was me? Am I ready? Have I lived my life the way I wanted to live it? Have I have accomplished what I wanted to accomplish because life is short? Here's the tragedy. Sin is going to bring death to every one of us. But here's the victory. In Jesus Christ, we have salvation. We have the forgiveness of our sins. Everyone who believes in him can say that their sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ is the provision. I want to read you some absolutely amazing verses that are striking because if you read in, in Matthew 3 and 15, it says here, this is what Jesus said. Let it be so to fulfill all righteousness. Why did Jesus Christ come? To fulfill all righteousness. Folks, that is a striking statement. Do you know why? Because none of us could be made righteous by anything that we could ever do. We are sinners, we are condemned by our sin, and sin will ultimately take every one of our lives. And without Christ, there's no hope. But he came to fulfill 
all righteousness. Go to the next slide, please. I want to read you these verses. These verses are thrilling, absolutely thrilling, because this is what happens to most people. Romans 10 and 3, speaking about Israel, those who say they want nothing to do with Jesus, those who say they don't need a Savior. This is what Paul said about Israel. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, these Jews were seeking to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ, Jesus Christ, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That is so important. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, the law of Moses said this. Keep all the commandments, all the law of God, this do, and you will have righteousness. <laughs> Israel has been trying for 5,000 years to keep the law of God. Do you know that there is not a person that has ever lived that has kept the law of God? No person has ever lived that has been able to keep the law of God. In other words, we can't obtain our own righteousness by keeping the law of God because Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Look at Romans 3 and 10. We, we were on the street on Friday night and this, this guy had this sign and it said, good people. And Warren says, hey, uh, dude, th there are no good people. And he said, what do you mean? And I read him this verse, Romans 3 and verse 10. There is none righteous. None. No, not one. That's a, that's a pretty hard pill to swallow, but that's what the Bible says. Verse 21. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God, which is through faith, in Jesus Christ, to all who believe, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who believes in Jesus. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, it says this. For if by one man's disobedience or trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, can many be made righteous. So, I wanna just tell you basically what those verses are saying. Those verses are saying this. There is no one righteous. No one can establish his own righteousness before God. Righteousness can never be earned by keeping the law. It comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ. 
and righteousness was won for us at the cross when Jesus was made sin for us. If righteousness could be earned in any other way, then Jesus Christ died in vain. Galatians 2 and 21 says this. If our righteousness could be obtained in any other way, then the cross and the work of Christ was absolutely in vain. But I want to tell you what it says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. It says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you know what I struggle with? How in the world can me, John Wells, be made righteous? You know what, guys? I know that you don't know me very well. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I, I, I suspect I'm not much different than you. We are all sinners. We are all guilty. We have all broken God's law. And we have no righteousness in ourselves. Jesus Christ came to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus Christ was presented to the world as the one solution for sin. God's one and only son presented to the world as my beloved son who came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That is just absolutely thrilling and amazing to me that as I was made a sinner because of Adam, my original forefather that I had absolutely nothing to do with, I inherited his nature. And that's why I sin, because I have a sinful nature. Jesus Christ came to make me righteous. Jesus Christ came to take my place, to die for me on the cross, to put away my sin, so I can be made righteous by going to church? No. By trying to do the best I can? No. By faith. Believing that Jesus is God's one and only son who died for me. He put away my sin. He rose from the, the grave. He's alive. And when I believe in him, God makes me righteous. That is amazing. That is absolutely thrilling amazing. Okay, let's go to the last slide. Jesus Christ is not only preeminent, the one and only son of the living God. Jesus Christ is not only the provision for the sin of the world, the only solution for our sin, but I want to tell you today that as Jesus was presented on the day of his baptism, 2,000 years later, he is presented here today to you. Here's how he is presented. Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is an amazing statement. The one and only Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Folks, Jesus Christ came to take away the sin of the world. Okay, so for thousands of years, Lambs were killed and blood was shed on Jewish altars that could never take away sin. W what was it all about? It was covering sin for a season. 
after season, after season, after season, until one day, Jesus Christ, God's Son, stepped on this planet. Heavens are open to declare, okay, this is what you've been waiting for for thousands of years. This is my one and only Son. He is the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Folks, this is amazing. This is the greatest message that the world could ever hear. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know what it says in John chapter, 1 John chapter 1? It says, if any man sin. Can you relate? Do you ever sin? We, we all sin. Hey, folks, we, we, we all sin. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Who is he? The righteous one. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Get the connection? He came to fulfill all righteousness. Him who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made righteous in the sight of God. By the disobedience of one, many were made sinners. By the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, many are made righteous. My righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ, not anything else. And if you're ever going to be righteous in the sight of God, it's going to be by faith in Jesus Christ alone or you will never be made righteous. Behold, that's an old, old, old English word. What does it mean? It means stop, gaze upon, contemplate, think. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John presented him to the nation that day. John sees Jesus coming and he says, stop. Everybody, I'd love to do this on Spring Garden Road. Everybody, stop, listen. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is God's Lamb who came to take away the sin of the world. In 1 John 2, it says, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Our sins, and not ours only but the sins of the whole world. Folks, this is a universal message. It is for all time, all people, everywhere. Jesus Christ is God's lamb who came to take away the sin of the world. What does propitiation mean? It means sin atoning sacrifice. He satisfied God by giving his own life to die as a substitute for me so that I can go free from my sins, so that I can be made righteous. Guys, I want to ask everybody today, have you been made righteous? Are your sins forgiven? Are you sure? By believing in Jesus Christ, you can be 100% sure your sins are forgiven. God says he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb. Perfect. You know what they did on, in Exodus 14? I think it's Exodus 14. They took the, 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 the lamb of the Passover and they kept it from the 10th to the 14th day. I think it's actually chapter 12. They kept it from the 10th to the 14th day. And you know what they had to do with that little lamb? Look it all over. Has to be a male, the first year, no blemish. 
Make sure it's not crippled. Make sure it's got no spot. It has to be as perfect as it possibly can be. Why? Because it pictured Jesus Christ, God's one and only perfect lamb. But here's the catch. To take away, to take away the sin of the world, not cover it, not take care of it temporarily. No, to take it away. Jesus Christ is God's perfect lamb, not a picture. He is the authentic provision from God himself. By himself, he purged our sins. By himself. Hebrews chapter one and verse three. He was the provider of the sacrifice. He was the priest and he was the sacrifice. He offered himself without spot to God. He shed his own blood, righteous blood, for guilty sinners so we could be made perfect in his sight. You say perfect? Yeah, that's what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. That all who believe in him are being sanctified, made perfect in the sight of God without sin because he bore our sin. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. All the, the animals that were shed on, their blood was shed on Jewish altars, year after year after year after year, could never take away sin. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. Folks, Jesus Christ made one payment price for the sin of the world forever. And it's done. And he rose from the dead. And he's gone back to heaven and he is alive today, today, uh, October 28, 2018. I present to you Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who is able to take away your sin. Have you trusted him? Have you believed in him? This is the best message that you could ever have because you will be made righteous the moment you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, there's a beautiful picture in Leviticus 16 and 22. There's two goats. It's a great day of atonement. And one is the scapegoat. And, and the priest goes and puts his, his hand on the head of this goat. You can read about it in Leviticus 16. And he confesses over this goat all the sins, all the iniquities, all the trespasses of all the people. How big is that list? Massive. This little goat is standing there and, and the priest has got his, his hands on the head of this goat and he's just pouring over this goat all the sins of the people. And then a big strong man takes the goat, picks him up, and he walks 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 way out into the wilderness. Do you know that that goat that carried the sin of the people was never seen again. Never seen again. Never to be seen again. That's a picture of what God did when Jesus Christ took my sins upon himself on the cross. He takes away the sin of the world. And God says, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more forever. 
Folks, this is great news. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your sins are gone. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You will never see your sin again. You will never have to answer for them because Jesus Christ bore them in his own body on the tree. Folks, Jesus Christ, I present to you as the preeminent Son of God, as the provision for the sin of the world, as the one who is presented to you as the Lamb of God. Wouldn't you trust him? Wouldn't you want to believe on him? Wouldn't you want to commit your entire life and the keeping of your soul, not just for today, but for eternity into the hands of Jesus Christ? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together that we can consider the word of God. Lord, I just thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus, that he was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. Thank you, Lord, that you have exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. And he is our Lord and he is our Savior. And we know that when we have trusted him, we are made righteous in him. Thank you, Lord, for all these blessings. Bless us today and, Lord, be with us this week and strengthen us and help us to meditate upon these things and to be enriched by the word of God and to be built up in our most holy faith. Part us today with your blessing. We give thanks and ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.